0: hey everyone and welcome back to my first season i have not spoken to my guest today since we last worked together during our amazing 96-97 season in club med playa blanca and i am not saying this because he is my guest today but he really is one of the funniest if not the funniest person i ever met in my 10 years in club med his first season was in 1992-93 at the opening of club med Lindeman island he was a musician and animator. So not only am I excited to speak to him again, but I'm also doubly happy because I get to talk about my favorite place in the world and country of all time, Lindeman Island in Australia. Without further ado, I'd like you to help me please welcome from Newcastle, Australia, Mr. Luke Gus Neal. Hey Gus, how are you, sir?
1: Greg, great to chat. How are you doing?
0: I'm I'm ha- I'm so happy. Like I said, every I made no secret how I love Aussies. Aussies are my favorite people in the world. And you know, when I met you, you were funny, funny, and an Aussie. And I'm so happy to talk to you after all these years, and that you agreed to share your story with us here today. So big thank you.
1: <laughs> oh, it's an absolute pleasure, and it's uh, good to catch up after so many years.
0: Yes, yes. You know, like I don't know if you know how we do on the show. I'd like you to take me back in time. So. I guess, before Club Med, were you you working, going to school? And then how did you find out about Club Med?
1: Sure. So I was at university studying tourism management. Part of my university degree, I got to organize a a five-day field trip up the east coast of Australia from Newcastle to Brisbane. Uh, And on that trip, I actually met Bellings, who was an old Belgium guy that Club Med had sent out to try and we over the locals at Byron Bay, they owned land at Byron Bay and they were trying to develop it. So I, we actually stayed at that property as part of our trip up and I got to meet him uh, and he gave me his card and said, if ever you want to work for Club Med, just give them my card and tell them Belling sent you. So at the end of my degree, I went down to Sydney to apply for three jobs, one at a boutique hotel in Sydney, one at a luxury chain and then also at Club Med. And my second interview was with this luxury chain and, and she said, oh, are you just down for the day or are you doing anything else while you're down here in Sydney? And I said, oh, I'm just about to go to another interview with Club Med. And she looked at me and she said, you're you're interviewing for Club Med? I said, yes. She said, um, well, if you get it, take that. And this was the recruiter of the luxury chain. Really? Does yeah. she, she say why? Okay. Well, she said, we've had people from Club Med and they're some of the best customer service and best employers we've had, so – if you get a chance to go and get some experience uh, ah, up in the okay. Sundays, I would recommend that. So I went to the interview um, and yeah, they called me a few days later offering me a position up at Lindemann Island.
0: Okay. Since I worked for a university, I'm going to back you up. Which, which university did you did you attend in Australia?
1: Uh, university of Newcastle.
0: Oh, okay. And now, as I recall, I'm going to go back even further because I recall you, you played a, a mean violin. So I was curious at what age did you start learning violin?
1: So I started at seven. I uh, so came home from school in second grade and begged my te- begged my uh, parents to uh to allow me to learn violin at school which is weird because you know how many kids come home and beg their parents to learn violin but uh, <laughs> apparently I picked it up fairly quickly and and then when I moved to Newcastle in 1985 I actually got a scholarship to uh, to study at the at the um Conservatorium of Music in Newcastle so I studied there for 4 years and so I learned in total I learned for about 12 years before stopping lessons and just playing it for fun.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. All right. So you said you, you had your interview for Club Med in Sydney?
1: Yeah, with uh, the then HR manager, Louise Hewitt. She asked me a bunch of questions, including, do I speak French? And of course, I said, absolutely. And and then she rattled off a whole lot of things in French that I just Blankly stared at her and said, "Okay, maybe uh, maybe I don't speak <laughs> French, but uh, happy to learn." She had a bit of a laugh, and then yeah, a few days later, she offered me a, a role as musician, which I didn't realize at that time was a, a pretty rare contract.
0: Did you have these big illusions because you you must have heard Club Med had resorts all over the world? So did you think you were going to be sent to your your home country right off the bat?
1: Well, I didn't know a lot about Club Med. I grew up in a fairly conservative home, so when I got home and told my parents I was. Looking at working at Club Med, they were horrified. <laughs> I actually remember my mum saying, oh, you, there's no way you're working there. It's nothing but a glorified brothel. Uh, <laughs> and I, I said, well, I, I don't think it's that. Uh, so I didn't know a lot about Club Med. I didn't really understand that there were shows and that the staff got involved or that, you know, the only thing I did know that it was a seven-day-a-week job, which didn't bother me. Oh,
0: it did So the hours didn't scare you?
1: No, not at all. No. I, I sort of was, you know, it was my first official job in an industry that I'd studied. So I was happy just to do whatever I needed to, to get experience and, and sort of move my way uh, to the next role or next job. Um, I I hadn't planned to stay for long. I really was just going to go up for 12 months and then come back to real life. But obviously that didn't really work out.
0: And since you did work uh, ultimately all over the world with Club Meds, I'm guessing Lindemann was the, the shortest trip you've ever taken, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. It okay. was only. It was. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had to. I had to get a train down to Sydney, and then it was a two-hour flight up to, up, oh to um, up to Hamilton Island.
0: So lucky. Mine uh, had a, quite the journey from hell when I went to Lindeman, but you know, I don't. I don't. I don't regret it.
1: Okay. Well, Montreal and you know Brisbane are, are, are probably the two furthest cities you can yeah. by plane. So especially
0: if uh, club ad has a sense of humor they flew me completely the other way around normally you'd go like montreal vancouver vancouver sydney no they flew me completely the opposite way so uh, montreal new york uh, new york paris Paris, Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka, Sydney, Sydney, uh, Hamilton, and then another small plane from <laughs> Hamilton to Lindeman.
1: It was probably the cheapest way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Not not, not yeah. Not I, the shortest way. I,
0: I gather I had time to think on the plane, and that yeah, that's what I came to as well. to conclusion. Okay. Now you say okay. You were at the opening. Now was that a pre-existing resort, or did Club Med make that resort?
1: No, it was pre-existing. Club Med bought the resort off P and O. Okay. Which is the you know the large. Uh, ship chain in I think it was the end of end of the 80s they spent a couple of years developing it and then they opened it about three weeks before I got there as a club
0: now what was the name of that family there was a house there and a family either owned the land or part of the island do you remember that uh... Nicholson's Nicholson's that's the Nicholson's yeah she was actually still
1: there living there my first season
0: Okay, yeah, that's right. So I don't remember her
1: name, but there was a a lady called Mrs. Nicholson who used to live in the house behind the uh, the theatre.
0: Yes, yes. Do you you remember anything of your your first week arriving there?
1: Oh, look, it was a bit of a whirlwind. I I remember showing up and I had my violin and my guitar and my didgeridoo and my Kruber and sort of walking bright-eyed and bushy-tailed into the reception area. And the very first person I met was Julie Ford, who's still a, a dear friend to this day. And she said, "Hi, you know, welcome to Club Med. What what are you going to be doing here?" And I just said, "Oh, I'm a musician." And she said, "Oh, we don't. There's no such thing as a musician contract." And she sort of had a bit of a laugh. So I I I was a little bit worried that I'd not actually got the job. But yeah, realised very quickly that I was part of the entertainment team. The French uh, chef d'animation Fifi, he said, "Are you part of the animation team?" And then I got really sort of scared and and uh quite taken aback because I thought that animation was drawing cartoons I'd never heard that word it was a French word that didn't exist in the Australian vocabulary so um yeah my first 24 hours was quite a a culture shock to be honest but a good one I wasn't I wasn't upset to be there I was very happy but just so many things that I had never experienced
0: and your chief of village was Carlos Castro correct he was fantastic
1: chief of village yeah
0: yeah, that's what I hear. His name comes up a lot on the show. So uh, wow, opening a Lindemann, and and I, you know, I know when I was there. So predominantly, your your guests are mostly Aussies and Kiwis, right?
1: We had a lot of Japanese honeymooners. There was a period in Australian tourism where uh, most of the of the higher end and wealthy couples from Japan would come to the Whit Sundays for three or four days. Okay. So we had a large Japanese contingent, but apart from that, it was Aussies and Kiwis yeah.
0: Okay. So did you predominantly play at night like was that this musician contract was this for just at night and then you would
1: animate in the day Yeah that's right I I was paid to play music at the bar there was a a guy who was there au pair called Emmanuel who was the he was the boyfriend the long-term boyfriend of one of the girls who worked uh I think a Japanese hostess or a Japanese PR So we played together every night but then very quickly I was doing entertainment in the day with the the animator, a fantastic animator called Tweedy, uh, George or Jorge Pena. Uh, so we did everything together for for the whole 12 months. And myself and Carlos and Tweety ended up being like a trio of musos that would get around and and do crazy stuff together all day. It was it was it was an, an amazing season. And to this day, some of my closest friends are the are the people I met at that season, the Aussie Geos.
0: Now, I'm assuming in ninety two ninety three you could do the same thing. So how long did it take you to realize that you could order a pizza by plane on Lindemann Island?
1: Oh, we never did that.
0: Oh, you didn't? Oh, No, okay. no okay. We,
1: we didn't even have days off. We, we got off the island twice. Once was to go to Mackay for some arts festival where we put on one of our shows. And that was a, a three-hour boat trip down to Mackay. And we stayed at the Mackay International Hotel, which was just the dodgiest, well, yes, I've,
0: I've been to Macau several times, so, oh, I didn't know. so I didn't know they could call something international, but okay. it was
1: horrific. No, um, I, but
0: I, I, I miss Mackay. I love it. We used to go and watch yeah. movies there, but yeah. but
1: <laughs> So we, we did the show and then we spent a night at this little nightclub called the Blue Moose, which was, you know, as about as, as as seedy as the name suggests. Uh, so that was one <laughs> night off the resort. And then we had another night where we all went to Hamilton Island for the night. But those were the only two nights we actually got off and could do things really. Different when I went back as chief of village in, in you know four and oh five, but back in ninety two, yeah, it was seven days a week and, and you were sort of on the island unless you did something wrong and then you're on the next boat out. <laughs>
0: yeah, which they called the NBO, right? NBO, yeah. Uh, uh, and also and also when the GEs would quit, I think they would just say that term, you know, like, Okay, well you need to give us two weeks and they're like, Oh no, mate, I'm NBO. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. <laughs> what? Which is which is cool because they had a like a, a little bus. Um, that would take you from like where the GE's had a bar, and I assume they had they had their bar uh, back then, right? The yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And gym and okay. Wow, wow. Any crazy stories from that first season? Um, how long? How long was your first season? Was it six so months or it was or twelve months. No, okay. it was a
1: year. Yeah, I, I arrived on the twelfth of December, which was about yeah, as I said. You remember the tough, day? I do. Oh yeah, wow. Okay. Because it was sort of a significant, you know, first time out of home and first real job and. And within sort of a day or two I'm like, oh this is going to be great I, this is sort of my my environment. There was a lot of friendly people everyone was speaking different languages and so yeah, the twelfth of December and I left oh, probably beginning of november mid mid November at the end of that that season once Carlos had left so twelve month season it was just a series of great memories the first there was first time for everything first time you know I think my very first night I was asked to go upstairs and do spotlight, which I thought was just the best until I realized that that's the job they gave all the rookies that no one else wanted to do, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, just just the whole environment, the the shows, meeting guests. I, mem- I remember we did a fourteenth fourteenth of July Bastille Day parade. You did, you did, but yeah, there was, because back there was then, no like, all the, the there was no. Well, there was a few, but most oh. of the senior chef de service were were French, um, ah. and there was very. I don't think. I think apart from Julie, there was all French or European shift of service. And so they didn't really celebrate Australia Day. They didn't really know what that was, but they certainly celebrated Bastille Day. But I remember the there was a girl from the boutique who arrived on the little green John Deere buggy to the pool, but she had one breast exposed because that's, that, that's what happened in the old days of,
0: oh, you know, yeah, that's what that's they right. celebrated. Yeah.
1: And I remember all of the Australian guests and all the Australian staff just absolutely horrified that in this family resort, (laughs) there would be a a girl arrive and it was painted red and yeah, the the colors of the flag or whatever they did. But yeah, so there was, there was quite a few cultural mismatches that had to be worked out over the years, but no, it was just a series of amazing, amazing moments.
0: Now, Um, now when I was there, this is why I love one of a zillion reasons I love Australia, you know, we'd be getting ready for the show and, my guys would say, Greg, you can't do the show. Why? It's, well, it's state of origin. So the whole, the whole evening was shut down while they watched, you know, the the rugby game. So did this happen there too? Like, or, or the, um, the Melbourne cup, I think the horse race, like everything uh, shut down.
1: I, I think it was on in the bar, but no, it was, okay. it was as about as, it was probably as, about as French a season as oh, really? Lindemann ever had, okay. purely because it was an opening. And I, I don't, I don't think Club Med sort of, said, well, let's fill it with Aussie oh, okay. uh, chef de service or Aussie, you know, culture, because they didn't know it's something that had to be learned. I mean, there was there was a stage that we even had team members doing like an Aboriginal dance in one of the gala nights, which these days would just be such a, a faux pas and, and not politically correct. You would never misappropriate, you know, an Indigenous dance by having Europeans dress up as... As local. So, so there was a few things that we just had to work through that weren't known just because clubmen had never operated in Australia before.
0: Yeah. So my culture stocks stem from the sweet and sour crocodile on the menu. I don't know if you had that when you were there. We did have that. Uh, There was another thing, too. It was a very cute animal. Um, I don't think it was kangaroo, but it might have been. But I can't remember what a a very cute animal I So I did try the sweet and sour because I thought it was fun to eat something that would eat me, you know. So I I, I did try that.
1: uh, You got your revenge. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) But, you know, and when I got there, everyone said, Greg, it rained last night. I know you're going to want to, but don't lick the cane toad. (laughs) <laughs> and I said, it hadn't, even, it "Hadn't even occurred to me to lick a cane toe?" But that's not all I'm thinking about now because everyone kept coming up to me telling me, "Don't lick it, okay?" But um, but what a yeah, what a what a place! I mean, you had the giant bats by the archery. You know, you climbed. What's the name of that mountain? Oh, that beautiful mountain that you could climb. Oh, right? like, uh, um, the Oldfield? No, not Oldfield. And Oldfield, yeah. Oh, was it? Oh, okay, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, what a beautiful place. The, the, the nine hole golf course on the top, the Plains Land there. I mean, you know, it, it, is, it is a very beautiful uh, resort, right?
1: It's and- actually just been put back on the market. So it was bought by a Chinese firm in 2012. Okay, They were going to do a big development of it and they've just put it back on the market. So I'm secretly hoping Club Med will buy it and turn it back into a Club Med.
0: Oh, me too. Me too. Because I saw a report on 60 Minutes about it that just devastated me a few yeah, years ago. Yeah, a few years like ago. Horrible, horrible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was horrible. They were right on the stage where we used to do our shows. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, fingers crossed for that. So now after a year in Lindemann, did you get to choose or or did they give you a dream sheet? Like, hey, where'd you like to go next? Or
1: Yes and no. I think as the first season musician, they they sort of didn't give you a whole lot of choice. And obviously back then you would needed to do three or four years in your zone before they moved you out of zone. So I got offered uh, Sherating in Malaysia, had no idea about it. So I just said yes, because I'd been offered a contract. Had a couple of months in between where I went and visited my girlfriend at the time who was working in Tahiti, in Morea. She'd been moved to there. So my second season was with Jean-Pierre Franquin, and that was in Sherating, which was another phenomenal season. So my first two years were just off the charts, amazing with great teams and great Chief of Villages. I actually got invited to go to the Chief of Village conference or the big seminar in Paris, or it was actually Morocco to say goodbye to Gilbert Trigano,
0: oh, okay. the founder. Uh,
1: so that yeah, I, after twenty-four months in Club Med, I was just. I remember telling guests, uh, I, "I'm having the time of my life," and even if they stopped paying me, I'd still do this because I'm doing everything I want to do.
0: Yeah, exactly right. I mean, I'm, I'm glad not- that
1: kept paying me though. Yeah, exactly. Not a lot, but I kept paying. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I was. I was not there for the money. Uh, clearly, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I would do it for free, and I, I did do it for free. Because yeah, after playa which we'll get into i went to i did a season au pair because uh, there was no contracts for uh, i guess canadians in italy so i actually if you remember Michele who we met in in playa Michele was my au pair land sports so then i went to italy to be his au pair land sports okay
1: <laughs> yeah he was a great great guy yeah i think a great chief of village too
0: yeah. And, and that season we met was, uh, was one of the ones that stand out the most where I, where I met you and Lulu, you know, people and everyone. So that was uh, one of those seasons that stands out. I think there was a lot of talent at uh, Playa Blanca in uh, 96, 97. Did you think that as well?
1: Oh, it was an amazing season. I, I think just the, the environment, you're in a jungle, you're three hours from anywhere. The guests come for a week and, and leave uh, all together. And the team was just next level. It was, it was really one of those seasons, probably in my top, two or three where it's sort of, you know, we sometimes say all the stars aligned and yeah, it was just one of those really memorable times where you look back and sort of wish that it had never ended.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, and there's something special. I don't know if you feel this way about opening and closing a village, right? Like you're, you're there, the guests aren't there yet. Then you close and you stay after. Do you find there, there's something special about that?
1: I think it's just a team thing. I think when when there's a transitionary team, you don't all start and finish together. So there's something about the camaraderie and the the all in nature of all being there to open and then all being there to close that just sort of solidified the team. And the fact that, you know, there wasn't anything outside really the resort. You just had to stay there and, and work together. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. I've, I've done another season the same when I went to Camerina in Italy, it was a opening and a closing and the same thing happened. You all were there for a week setting up and, um, and busting your gut to, to get ready for the GMS and then you all leave together. So yeah, I, I think it's that it, it's one team that all are there for the same reason and all arrive and leave together.
0: Well, since we're on apply, I was curious from 92, 93 to 2005, did you ever meet a GM that was as memorable or eccentric as Uncle Larry. Like no, our, um, Uncle no. Larry must be top <laughs> top one or top three, right? I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, he was he was a he was a crazy man, uh, beautiful man, but obviously you know a little bit he, eccentric. Yeah, and, he, uh, lived at, he lived at he uh, lived at
0: Playa Blanca, and I think when Playa closed, he went to Cancun. And, yeah, uh, I
1: actually I actually caught up with him post the season. So um, when I left Playa in april or the end of april to 1998 i actually went and lived in los angeles for six months and we actually caught up on numerous occasions and And he was very generous he helped me buy a car and showed me the rope so i i, I probably saw a side of uncle larry that that a lot didn't when he wasn't you know enjoying tequila on the beach in mexico
0: yes with his uh black leather vest and speedo and bolo tie and cowboy and, boots and, and cowboy boots, boots. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> etched into my memory. <laughs>
1: He had his own sign on the door. He Tio did Larry. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And he had his own. I remember when I met him, I was in the main restaurant and he came in with a, a circus shirt and it said, get horizontal with uncle Larry. And that's when I went, who is this guy? You know? Yeah.
1: Nah, he, he was a, yeah, he was a good guy. I think just obviously, you know, had his challenges, but you know, I saw a side of him in Los Angeles that showed me that he had a generous heart. And um, that's how I like to remember him.
0: Rest in peace, uncle Larry. Yeah. All right. And then, on summer '98, you go to Turks and Caicos. Uh, you were uh, now you're now you're chief of animation at this point, right?
1: Yeah, so I was chief of animation in Linda, uh, in Playa as well, but I had the dual role of also being the animator. Yes, and then I took a year off. So um, I actually left Club Med after the Playa season, which was May '97. Went to Los Angeles for six months, and then went back to Sydney for six months, and then got a call from Lulu in April '08. To no, sorry, '98. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. twenty really yeah, yeah, long time ago, <laughs> that's 20, 20 something years ago. And she said, uh, what are you doing? And I said, I'm in Sydney. She said, are you having fun? I said, no. And then she said, well, why don't you come to Turquoise? And I said, what's Turquoise like? What's Turks and Caicos like? And she said, well, it's just as much fun as Playa except the beach is better. And I said, <laughs> book me a flight. So yeah, it didn't take me long. And I arrived there and, and that was an amazing season as well. That's where I first met Hendel. Uh, we we got on like a house on fire and uh, oh was he chief of sports he was chief of sport and i was chief of animation yeah so we oh, okay we sort of had rooms next to each other and became like inseparable yeah great great friend to this day
0: is there any um like animation sketch or passage like you made your own or came up with on your own or, is oh, there one, or one,
1: one in particular
0: that you loved like you love doing personally like it was never a chore for you to do like Oh, just, there, was,
1: there wasn't there was one Passage I did that I didn't want to do uh, or I didn't enjoy doing. Um, some I adapted from, you know, famous animators. I know that a lot of Bam Bam skits and, and Passages were things that I picked up on. I I did a version of his Duracell Bunny skit where I actually purchased a costume. There was a uh, – no, he did the Energizer Bunny, and there was yes. a Duracell, Duracell Man, so – same skit, just different version. I, I did I did a, a skit where I would run down the beach uh, with a sandwich board on, you know, as, as a fanaticist yelling, the end is near, the end is near. And I think it was AJ, the DJ in Turks that would run with a sandwich board saying, I am the end. And he would chased me all over the resort. There was a lot of crazy stuff we used to do. I, I always tried to do new things because I got bored with doing the same thing over and over, even though the guests had not seen it I used to try and do a two or three week rotation. And I'd always, even back then, I was quite organized. I'd had a spreadsheet where I'd write what, you know, game I would do outside the restaurant or what passage I would do so that I remembered when I did it and not repeat too often. But, it, yeah, I couldn't do things that I wasn't enjoying. So I'd always try and think, what well, what would I find funny? And let me do that.
0: Well, I remember a conversation I had with you. You probably will remember this in Playa. You, you did a a baby sketch in Playa, correct?
1: I did. Yes. Yeah. And and a, giant, you, a giant diaper.
0: Yes. And you're one of those animators I like or people I like that stay in character. And so, and you literally would. I remember you telling me this This female GM got so mad at you because she was asking for directions, but you were giving directions like a baby would. Like you, would, <laughs> you wouldn't break character. And the more no, she, I wouldn't, she kept no. trying to make you break character, the, the angrier she was getting and uh i think after you saw like when you changed you you tried to explain to her what you know do do you remember this at all Uh, i do (laughs) yeah no i I used to remember that i'd
1: never break character and yes sort of i understand when i when i see interviews with sasha baron cohen when he's in character there there is a there's a bit of a a security wall or a blanket that goes up when you when you take on a personage or you, you become somebody else and as soon as you are yourself dressed up as somebody else, it doesn't work. You 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 have to go all in. So I, I used to enjoy that. I used to enjoy being able to sort of have different ways of expressing myself. And, and you know, I always tried to keep it fun and, and make sure that it wasn't humour at somebody's expense, but it was just humour that, you know, it was often humour at my expense, to be honest.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's right.
1: I, I did enjoy, I don't know if you remember this, um, i'd always wait till the wednesday night before i'd bring out my violin so that was always usually four or five nights into a you know a guest full week of, of staying there and i'd dress up as a mariachi and follow the mariachis around in the in the restaurant and then i'd jump up on a table and actually start playing and everyone would freak out because they all of a sudden realized that i actually could play so that was always a fun moment in my week
0: yeah and I remember you know you would also in Playa where the um you know that circular I guess where the circus team would do that in that kind of a small amphitheater you would you would go on top of the DJ booth and play the violin there too. I think like after the show, like before we hit the nightclub. I remember you specifically just larger than life up there, you know, <laughs> rock, rocking, rocking, rocking out on the yeah. violin, often, often with uh,
1: bands from Montreal too, which was fun.
0: Yeah, actually, one of the funniest things like I used to. I, I never watched the shows, but whenever you did this number, I would watch. Do you remember the? I think it's the William Tell. Uh, I don't know if it's called that. Where you every everyone has an apple, but you're eating. So you're one of those rare guys that can make eating an apple funny. Do you remember this skit?
1: Oh, that was a, that was a Olympic follies. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. But basically the thing was, you know, they're, someone's supposed to shoot the, the full apple, but you're you're waiting on there during, eating it yeah, yeah. And you, you could just so i used to just watch it just to watch you eat the apple like that's yeah I, and then, and then uh, your... i used <laughs> just
1: accidentally spit it in jenny's yes, face that's right <laughs> jenny's a <the> circus geo <laughs> from yeah. san fran um <laughs> yeah but i had to make it look like it was the first time i'd ever done it every single time i did it well so that it was, was always
0: challenge. but it was always funny because i would like make a point to go <laughs> you know see the show when you did that number <laughs> now oh, before, before we get into your Chief of sports stage and all that. Is there anything from all those seasons, Camerina, Playa Turks? Like, do you have any kind of uh, it's any any funny stories or any uh, interesting stories or before we, before oh, we move to um. Before we move on to your aspirations for chief of village,
1: funny stories.
0: No, it, it could be something that wasn't funny then is funny now. Like I, I got hurt really badly once, but it's really funny now. You know, it wasn't funny then, but it's funny now the way I tell the story. So it could be, uh, I don't know, or even a mistake you made that you know, or that you fixed. Well, there's a I'll,
1: I'll, okay. There's a mistake, and then and then I'll tell a funny story. Okay, my very first season, I think my very first day. I went to the nightclub and probably stayed longer than I should have. Um, And I may or may not have, this is yet to be proven, fallen asleep uh, in the disco up at (laughs) Lindemann. (laughs) And back then they used to lock the disco. So once it was locked, there was no way in or out of the disco. So I think I may have been late to my very first team meeting because I was locked in the disco. Um, (laughs) But that, that, is, that is to be proven. That's yes, distant, exactly. You know, a, a distant memory. Um, <laughs> a funny story, the first time I ever went on a, sort of an official date with Helene, and you, you know Helene, I met her in, in Playa. Yeah. Yes. We, went, we decided to go for a horse ride on the beach, and back then you could grab a horse. I, actually, I don't think you could grab a horse, but we may have grabbed a horse and decided to go for a ride. <laughs> Ended up at Playa Rosa, which is the next beach along, and my horse decided to bolt. Now, I wasn't a horse rider. So it, it it sprinted up the beach, and literally tried to kill me by running under a really low hanging branch, and I had to do like a, a stuntman lean right back, arms flailing, to avoid being killed. And about twenty seconds later, Helene rode up, in tears, laughing, and I and I you know I, I was very close to soiling myself because I was just that scared <laughs> that I was going to die. And she said that was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. So is and it was that at that, that moment that, that I realized I was going to spend the rest of my life with her. <laughs> so is that, is that,
0: Yeah, because I'm I'm actually yes ho- hoping to have your your wife Helen Helen on a point. So was that what won her over? Like uh, even before the date started? Like, oh, so, who knows what won her uh, over? Okay. But to this day, I'm
1: <laughs> I'm still surprised that I that I uh, managed to find such an incredible girl who uh, loved me despite all my flaws and craziness.
0: Yeah, she was uh, Circus Geo that season. Perhaps. She was yes yep, from Montreal. Yep. I do like that Lindemann story. Okay. <laughs> well, I had a similar one with. Do you remember? Do you remember Randy, who came later in the season, and Playa, who uh, I think he was a bronc writer, but then he he came, oh, on, yes. he came yes. as a GM, and then he he actually he says he didn't do it on purpose but he he never tightened my uh, my saddle and when we got up to a, a ride on the on an incline of a hill i fell completely the saddle came off and i slow motion went to the right and i tumbled all the way down this long hill but uh, so i don't know if it was a practical joke or he or he implied it was i should have checked my saddle even though i was a beginner rider okay.
1: so i do remember picking up some guests once from vancouver i i don't know it might have been you and i or or maybe Tim, the snorkeling geo, and I—we we were in charge to go pick up the, the charter flight from from Vancouver at Port Vallarta. Oh yeah, and on probably, one of the trips back, Tim, Tim, yeah, Tim, he went, I think you yeah. went there a lot. Yeah, the bus lost its back wheel, so we were driving <laughs> along, and yeah, this this wheel just rolls down the the highway, and the, the sort of the bus cranks to a stop. And the bus had two back wheels, but one of them had rolled off and broken, so we were stuck by the side of the road with about 45 very frustrated guests for about three hours <laughs> while we we're trying to get another bus and find a wheel and uh, and try to entertain them on their first afternoon of being on a holiday was was not fun.
0: Well, how many times did you have to pull that darn bus over to, to buy more Corona beer? Because they kept, you know, even when I would do the hour ride, like I had to pull over and like, I've never been in a resort where, you know, you <laughs> you serve beer out of a cooler or sold, sorry, you know, <laughs> In Playa, just to keep, and of course the guests wouldn't want to hear Lulu's speech because they've been holding it in for an hour, so they immediately bolt past the receptionary to the bathroom. (laughs) So I was thinking, is this really a good idea? Should we be
1: doing serving them beer? (laughs) No, and we used to we used to serve them four. Like you weren't able to buy one, you had to buy four. (laughs) That's right, four for five dollars. Yes, I, I think we introduced the beer after that bus accident because we realized that we needed to do something. To oh, to that's guess. okay.
0: Okay. That's uh, you to thank. Okay. I mean, My my pockets were stuffed with cash. I remember handing it over to the gestionnaire, like when you get to the resort, you know, okay, here you go. Well,
1: <laughs> well it was good because it made money for Club Med. The, the yeah. guests arrived happy and everybody knew the crazy science. So. <laughs>
0: that's right. That's right. Yeah. And you made that and you shot that good little that uh, video of all the resort and you played it on yeah. the bus. I remember you yeah. going around to each service. Uh, showing, okay, this is Greg, he'll be land sports. And, you know, this is Tim snorkeling. And so that, that was a good idea too. I thought, cause I had never seen it anywhere else.
1: Yeah. I don't know what made us do that. And we had to, we had to shoot it in order because we had no editing equipment.
0: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's right.
1: Yeah. I had to, I had before. to spend
0: the, I had to spin the basketball on my finger in one take and I remember getting it. <laughs>
1: oh, that was funny. Great season.
0: Now I see in winter 2000, you did a, like a one month interim Chief of Village Stage in Cancun, Mexico. So, how did that um, Was this like a recommendation from, I don't know, Gino Andretta when you did uh, Gerber La Deuce with him? Or how does that happen that you, they, they send you there, even
1: though you haven't done the Stage yet? So, at the end of 20, uh, 1999, sorry, end of 2000, I'd done Gerber. I'd been to the final weekend where they either, you know, pass you or or don't pass you for of Village it was in one of the ski resorts in in France so I'd been officially I guess given my chef de village status which was then meant that I would be in Paris from sort of mid-December for a a three-month training but on the train trip home from that weekend Philippe Raison grabbed me and he said oh can we have a chat I said yes he said would you be interested in going to to Cancun for a month we need to I think it might have been Hammer was leaving and Ryan was arriving or Ryan was leaving and I think I think Hammer was leaving. He had to leave to go somewhere else, but Ryan wasn't yet there to arrive. So I think it was just a, a sort of a, like I felt like it was a bit of a reward. Maybe it wasn't, but being able to go to Cancun for a month and and sort of be the interim between Hammer and Greg was was an amazing time. It was a great chance to sort of get my feet wet before three months training in Paris. And it, it sort of helped me fall in love with Cancun, which I then went back and did a couple of years later. So, okay, so it, was great, knew, it was a great time.
0: So you knew you were going to the stage. Now was it uh, competitive to get on it, uh, or were? Well, there was
1: fifteen of us, I think. It uh, at you know they they give you the list and you become you know a, a nominee and then they, they stagiaire, sort of, yeah, yeah. That you know you're on, you know, your way to be chef de village. But at this uh, weekend, it, it wasn't a pass or go. It was sort of if you can. Get through this weekend. That's your final hurdle, and I, and I think to be honest, most of us did. I think there was two or three that the um, the Paris office decided weren't quite ready, but the, the rest of us went through, and then we became the the new Chef de village sort of group of two thousand and one. Yeah.
0: Now, what um the, where did they send you? Uh, Opio Vitel for this stage?
1: Oh no, it wasn't. First. It was it was a it was a Talasso resort at, at the base of the Alps. Oh really? So I can't remember the name of it. Oh okay. It, to be honest, and, but and it was, was um this was a three-month stage. Oh no, sorry, that was for the weekend where they where okay. they pass you Chief Village. Oh the no, training I mean, was done yeah, in Paris. The training. Oh, in, yeah, oh at, Paris. at head office. Yeah. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, so I'm we scared. lived lived out of um like an Ibis hotel for three months just around the corner from La Villette, which is uh, where the headquarters were.
0: The Ibis Hotel. I think that's the only hotel where you can actually uh stand be in the bathroom and in and, and your room at the same time uh the way those right angles were uh okay.
1: yeah <laughs> maybe, maybe can... there's a room i just <laughs> yeah. kept getting i don't no, know they, if... <laughs> they were they were pretty small
0: <laughs> so what's it like doing like a three-month uh training like i'm not gonna ask you what exactly you did every day oh it was but... amazing was it
1: uh yeah. yeah we 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 loved it it was it was funny because there was there was three english speakers on the on the course um angie boucher myself and joey templin the rest were European French speaking. Oh, and Angie. every Friday was, yeah, I did, I did the postage with Angie. Oh, okay. yeah. So every Friday was English day where everybody in the training had to speak English because we'd been speaking French for four days and 10 minutes into the first session at eight forty-five, we all reverted back to French. It was just, it wasn't working. <laughs> so that, that was funny. No, um, so it was a great training. We got to travel a lot. We went to, the opening of the ski season down at Les Arc, we went to Morocco for a weekend, we went to Vitel to do some stuff. We got trained in all sorts of, you know, crisis management, creativity, leadership. It, it was amazing. I missed out on the last two or three weeks because I was then sent to, to do the opening of Sonora, which opened early, opened, um, well, beginning of Feb or mid-Feb. So I didn't get to do the very end of the stage, but I had an amazing time. One of my most memorable memories of that is we, every Thursday we, you know, the different educators or, or, or trainers would, would organise something special for the group. And we did this one night where we all had to dress up in, in sort of uh, formal wear. And then out the front of La Villette, there was 13 little scooters. And this is the day before there was electric scooters. It was just the little ride on scooters. And we spent a whole night scootering around Paris and having, you know, food and drink stops along the way. It, it was it was just one of those things that you think, what am I doing? You know, this Aussie guy, dressed up to the nines, scootering around Paris, eating amazing food and drinking wine. Like there were so many moments in Club Med, right, to pinch myself and say, this this isn't happening.
0: And I assume that you picked up French all in Club Med, correct? Yes. So, at what point did it realize? Did you realize, with Helene as your girlfriend, soon to be wife, that the French language and the Quebecois are vastly different?
1: Oh, gee, probably Playa. Okay, Playa was the first time (laughs) I'd ever heard a Quebec accent. Oh, okay. And I remember after one of my skits or one of the things I did on stage, there was this French Canadian girl, and she came up to me and and in French said. Ah, uh, French, and I just looked at her and said, "Sorry, what you, I thought she was speaking Chinese." Okay. Um, and she repeated it. And I said, "Oh, sorry, I don't. Uh, I speak English." And then she said, Par français," and I got that. And I said, "Yeah, je pas français," but it took me so long. Honestly, it took it took all of that season. And Helene didn't have a strong Québécois no. accent. No, no, she, she no, she didn't. She grew up in a French family and went to a French school, so her her French was a lot easier to understand. But the, the real Quebecois, the ones that had a very strong Montreal accent. To be honest, I'm still trying to work it out. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, I, I had this moment in Australia. I'm an English speaker. You know, French is my second language. And I remember sitting down, my first day at the table. And I was straining to understand what the Aussies and Kiwis were saying, and my Italian girlfriend is looking at me in horror. I go, "What's wrong?" She goes, "If you don't understand them, how am I going to understand them?" Because she didn't hardly spoke English, so there was a bit of an adjustment for me too. Because uh, you know the Aussies shorten a lot of things. There's so many Aussie expressions that if you don't buy the dictionary, you don't know what they're saying. So. I, I thought I knew English when, when I went to Australia, but uh, it took me about six months to realize the difference between an Aussie and a Kiwi. Uh, not at first, but six months later, I could hear it. You know? So yeah, that, uh, but that's part of climate, is uh, like learning a new language or getting to hear other languages, right? I mean,
1: oh, absolutely. That's it's, and and you don't realize how rich that is until you finish and and realize that you've expo- been exposed to you know cultures and and all sorts of people, which just I think makes you a better human, to be honest. Yes.
0: So summer summer 2001 you're okay you're I guess that's when Sonora officially opened so you were there before the opening it's a beautiful spot right sonora bay with the mountains oh stunning
1: and- yeah yeah and i i pushed hard to be there for the opening i hadn't got engaged yet but i was planning to and we we really wanted to get married in sonora so we'd sort of hoped that if that was the resort that was the village that the um the team sent me to that we could plan a wedding for the end of the year which is exactly what ended up happening
0: are you saying you got married in Sonora
1: yeah oh wow okay on the beach uh we got married in the garden area next to the big lagoon oh nice yeah it was beautiful I I mentioned to the econom sort of in the first few weeks that we were planning this and and he said I'll I'll make sure that we have the budget for it so look it was just an incredible night we had sort of 20 of our closest friends and family flying from all over the world but we had 700 guests at our wedding and you know 15 piece big band and the most incredible food you could ever imagine uh, and um that became the show of the night gus and helen's wedding
0: that's right that's right right all shuts down it's like state of origin <laughs> <laughs> so cancun was officially your first season as a chief of village so was there any did anything happen that like wasn't sonora obviously- Sonora. Oh, sorry right Yeah. Sonora. yeah so was there anything that happened at Sonora, like as a first time chief of village, that that wasn't covered in the um your training stage? Like, oh, there's no water for a week. What do you do? Was there anything like that?
1: Like well, hey, we had no. a hurricane come through, which Just... wasn't planned. No one had really spoken about Sonora being a place where hurricanes were, were a threat, but we had and this was five days before our wedding. So five oh, days before our uh... wedding which was supposed to be on the Friday. So the sort of Sunday, Monday, the tail end of a really strong hurricane that was, you know, I don't know, eight 900 kilometres south whacked the the village and we had no water, we had no electricity. <sighs> the rain dumped like crazy. The road between Guaymas and and the village was cut off and we, we only had sort of a couple of hours notice because... I didn't realize that this sort of sting in the tail of a hurricane. I thought you had to be really close to it, so that was exciting. (laughs) I was just using that
0: no water thing as an example, Gus. No, no, we definitely had no water. Okay. Yeah,
1: um, Uh. and that sort of yeah, we in fact it was horrible weather until about two hours before our our ceremony, our sort of civil ceremony on the on the Thursday. So it was, was, yeah, it was a bit crazy, but um, yeah, the clouds parted, and for the next two days we had bright sunshine.
0: Okay, I just called you Gus. Now, if I recall, are you named after, uh, nicknamed after a famous cricketer? Is that what you told me? Oh, was Gus he... Logie. Yeah, is... there's, okay. a, there's a cricketer
1: in, in the West Indies. I Gus used to Logie? play in a band.
0: I think oh, his name's okay.
1: Gus Logie. Oh, okay. I
0: think that's his name. Oh, so you were, oh, so is that where the, why you're nicknamed Gus? Because of him? Well, work. when I first
1: it got was... to Club man, in Lindeman, everybody had a nickname. And oh. Petey uh, said, Oh, you need a nickname. And I said, Well, I used to call me Gus when I played in the band. And I didn't realize that Gus Logie was a pretty phonetic batsman. He used to swing his bat everywhere. And apparently that's who he reminded me of when I played my violin. So he used to call me Gus. Oh, so okay. within a week of being in Club Med, I got a nickname Gus, and it just stuck for 14 years.
0: And, and so you're saying you were in a band before Club Med. So what kind of, uh, what kind of band was it?
1: It was, um, it was a bush band. So think sort of Celtic, Scottish folk music come rock. Okay, um, yeah, a lot of fun. We was- we travelled around Australia and even went to the. Uh, in fact, the year before I started Club Med in the January, we won the Battle of the Bush Bands at the National Country Music Championships. So,
0: what was the name of your band?
1: It was called Outback. Outback. Okay, yeah.
0: cool. Learning a lot of stuff here today, people that we didn't know. This is, this is why I do the show.
1: <laughs> yes, it was. It was a lot of fun. We didn't. We didn't have the uh, the groupies that all the rock bands had, but we we played for the love, not for the not for the girls.
0: <laughs> okay, that's right. <laughs> now in summer, winter, so two thousand two, two thousand three. Uh, this time you go back to Cancun as Chiva Village. This time yeah. you go longer than a month. That is your. Uh, so you stay a full year, right, in in Cancun?
1: Uh, year and a half. Yeah, a year and a half. Wow. Okay. In fact, longer than that because I was. What happened is after Sonora, 9-11 hit, and I was meant to go to Waltuko, okay. And Waltuko closed, so I went home with Helen. We were on our honeymoon, and then just waited at home for a call from Paris, which actually never came. And by about the twentieth of December, I'm thinking, I'm still getting paid. I think I'm still employed, but I better call Paris. And I called them, and they said, "Oh yeah, where, where are you?" And I said, "I'm at home in Australia." And they said, where are you meant to be? And I said, well, I was going to go to Waltulco, but that's closed. So I'm just bringing to see what the deal is. And they said, oh, we don't have a village for you, but would you like to come and work in the Miami office and, you know, do marketing, which is what I'd done in, you know, in university as part of my tourism degree. So we ended up in Miami for a few months, but then Helen was living at home in Montreal. And I wasn't aware that they had started a visa for me, a work visa. So I ducked across the border to Montreal and, uh, to see Helene. And then on the way back into the States, they said, what's your purpose to go to, to Sandpiper or to Florida? And I said, I'm just going on holidays. And they said, oh, you don't have a visa in, in the works. I said, no, no, I'm just going to have some fun and visit my friends at Club Med. Anyway, it ended up being a big debacle. I got questioned for four hours and they said, well, there's (laughs) a work visa in process for you. So you're not going back to the U S until that's approved. So I got stuck in Montreal and I ended up having to fly directly from there to cancun uh, about two months early because i i couldn't get back into the country <laughs> so uh, it was it was a bit of fun Helene had to fly back to australia to grab all my things uh, and bring them back to cancun are you so serious then, yeah because yeah. Oh i couldn't God. i couldn't go in the states uh, i was banned
0: please say yeah. she was there long at least longer than a week before she had to come back
1: oh she flew directly from montreal to australia
0: how long did did she stay in australia please say longer than 48 hours oh my god okay that yeah yeah, you have to stay married to her after that i'm sorry oh my god so did uh, did you like montreal
1: i love montreal yeah we we'd actually planned to live there maybe we'll we still will one day we've got kids in high school at the moment so um okay no it's it's my favorite city in the world love it
0: oh nice okay so Cancun, anything, uh, anything, and all your time there, anything memorable happen? Um-
1: oh, Cancun was amazing. I, I think one of the most memorable things was I was actually at a GM conference or a large large conference in Paradise, Paradise Island, and one of the one of the skiers or one of the local fishermen had been attacked by a croc. So this was beginning of my third season, beginning of the summer season, and. Um, and the Miami office decided to close down water skiing.
0: Yes, I remember this. Uh, yes, the oh story. Yeah.
1: And I and I got back to the resort, and every European in the village was just going ballistic because they couldn't ski. Oh they couldn't. God. You. So <laughs> it was a tough few months because that whole summer there wasn't communication that had gone out to all the guests that had booked, but they arrived, you know, for water skiing, which was phenomenal in in yes in Cancun to be told that the water skiing was closed due to a crocodile attack. And,
0: well, uh, and it was really, well, from what I heard, it was like, it was fishing. So it was really the fish that Albert, Albert was after really. It wasn't humans.
1: Uh, exactly. And it was so, a bite. It wasn't a yeah, you know, exactly. rip your arms off. Yeah. They you know, uh, ended up reopening skiing, but it was too late for me. You know, I had a really challenging third summer there because of that.
0: Okay. Sorry about that. Okay. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, the other
1: fun thing was we got stuck on a boat. I took all the, geos out to a big geo party put them all on a boat at the old scuba dock and we uh, decided to to sort of sail into the lagoon and have a big party on the boat for a few hours I think we were going to end up at senior frogs or one of those daddios or something and um, it was low tide so we ended up getting stuck at the entrance to the lagoon and just sat there for three hours and had a party (laughs) on the boat without moving
0: (laughs) oh it was oh really it was it was that I don't recall like there's no other place in the world where the high and low tide is drastic as it is at Lindeman. So I was, uh, I was, um, I'm interested to hear, like, or surprised to hear that that, like, yeah, I don't know, know why. what stuck happened. for three, got, three hours, stuck. a long time, okay. yeah, yeah. And
1: um, when you were it there, may not have been three hours. It felt like three hours, but it... uh, you,
0: in the opening, like the tides were still like you had tide tables at Lindeman, right? Because you could literally walk when the tide was out. You could literally walk on the stone. So that was still going on, right? I assume on Lindeman. Absolutely, there? yeah, like, yeah. Uh, okay. There was there was
1: 20, 20 foot. Tights, Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, for some reason, you know, I'm looking at the the list of villages you supplied me, you do summer seasons and then, then boom, I see you go to Crested Butte in Colorado to play in the snow. Did you like the snow?
1: Loved it. Really? Yeah. Okay. Had an absolute ball. We, we'd just had our first born. So Sebastian was born in Mexico, born in Cancun. So he was six months old and we always wanted to do a ski village. So we requested Cancou, uh crested and, and got it and had a great time. Yeah. We almost bought property in South Crested Butte.
0: Okay. Now, did you, you are, already know how to ski? It, but... a ski and snowboard? Yeah, snowboard? I knew how to ski,
1: but okay. I obviously got a lot better over, the, over the, the season. But, no, we had a great great time there. Loved it. Couldn't say a bad word about it. We had a good team. A lot of Brazilian guests, which surprised me. A lot of yeah. well-off Brazilians would come and ski there. Um, met a few old chief of villagers that were still, you know, Coming on their Geo Vacances. Uh, it was great. I had a great time. And then, yeah, finished my my tenure um, with a year at Lindemann.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So, did you uh, request that or they proposed yes. it? And okay.
1: No, I requested it. I, I sort of knew that unless I could continue to work close to home, it was going to be challenging. We were a growing family. I wasn't spending enough time with the land. You know, when, you know, I, I loved being chief of village and I love Club Med, but I'd sort of probably prioritize that over. Helene and, and my bub and wanted to make sure that we had good seasons and good results. So it was putting a strain on things. And I knew that if I kept going, I was probably going to end up as a great single chief of village, which is not what I wanted. So, so we requested Lindemann hoping to sort of use it as a bit of a platform for what was next in our life. And um, I did request a, a position at the Sydney office after Lindemann because they wanted me to go back to Jebel Aduce. But Helena just had our second. So we we were, you know, two young kids in. And I, I just wasn't prepared to go back over to you know that part of the world and and um and not spend time with my family. So we took a few months off and then decided to uh call it quits, but in a in a very amicable and beautiful way. Like I still have fantastic relationships with Club Med and yeah, don't regret a day of it.
0: I'm curious, what accent do your kids have?
1: Oh, Aussie. Yeah, no, okay. they've grown up in Australia.
0: Good. Okay. Alain, Alain
1: spoke French at home for the longest time, but then went back and studied at university and started speaking more English at home just as a result of that. So, but no, they they all speak French, but they have an Aussie accent. Okay. That's wild,
0: huh? Jeez. Okay. Wow. What are, uh, let me ask you guys, what are the, the three things you miss the most about Club Med? It could be in any order, you know, like, our, I, I mean, I think about this question a lot. I was just curious if...
1: Uh, there were well, three, great three,
0: three in particular, or only one or two.
1: I miss the travel. I still very much love travel, still get excited going to airports. You know, when, we, when we're when we not working, we're traveling somewhere. So I, I, I love the travel, visiting new cultures and meeting people from different countries and the camaraderie of the team. So the team element, and I think that's what I enjoyed most about being Chief of Village was just building a team and, and loving on them and making sure that they all left you know, a bit bigger and better and stronger than when they started, even if we didn't, you know, have the perfect season, I, I I really got a lot of joy out of pouring into the team and helping them grow and, you know, love what they did. And then thirdly, I think just the way that travel and meeting cultures stretched you. So I, I was a little, you know, Aussie kid, 21 years old, had not travelled really out of Australia when I started, and knowing the growth in me over that period just by my boundaries and I- ideals and sort of mindsets being stretched, I think it gives you a worldview that is um, is really matched in anything else you do. So I, I've yet to meet a GO that's spent a lot of years in Club Med that hasn't turned out to be just an amazing person because they've got a, a beautiful broad view of life and love people and, and are non-judgmental and... Yeah, so I think those so, those three things. I hope that doesn't sound too deep.
0: No, no, not at all. Now, besides uh, Handel, who you mentioned earlier, are, would, are there any other uh, GOs or even chief of village, like anyone chief of service you enjoyed uh, working with, like or uh, or just have oh, fun, yeah. fun fun with, uh, like you know? But by, by all means, call call up people that you you know you liked and have fun. Like, yeah,
1: I mean, I, there was three of us in Cancun. So the second season, I think in Cancun, I worked with Nicole who was our chief of sports, she's from Texas, and Marquito from Brazil. So the three of us were sort of like Nicole the Cooper. three amigos. Nicole Cooper. I think, yes, Nicole Cooper, yeah, great she golfer. Was, uh,
0: yeah, I was with her in Lindemann. Yeah, yeah we, we had
1: a great time together, the three of us. Oh, gee, it's hard to start naming names because then you're going to miss people. Well, no, but it could um, be even people that look, before, I, I, before
0: I, you were a chief, like if any other chiefs, like I know you mentioned Lulu and, you know, Pendle is a chief yeah, of sports. I, so. I,
1: I had great chief of villages except for one or two. I think most of them were very memorable. I, I worked with Lulu for nearly three years. I, I found her tough at the beginning just because she was really, you know, she had really high standards and I probably weren't wasn't at that standard yet. So the first couple of months was a little bit challenging, but we grew to have an incredible respect for each other. And then I worked, you know, six months in Playa, uh, sorry, in um, Turks with her and then an, another year in in Huatulco so we ended up working for I think two and a half years together and then visited her in Barcelona a few years later after she left the club so uh, still in touch with Carlos not as often as I was a few years ago but we we still have a good relationship still good mates with you know obviously Hendel and all that group of American chef de village so a lot of them I reconnected with at Hendel's wedding in Thailand so Hammer and and Ryan and Kevin and Greg and all the guys. I wish in a way I'd spent more time in the American season because I think that was my most memorable period in Club Med. I sort of feel like I'm more connected as a as a North American Geo than I was with the Asian teams. But no, I've got plenty of great friends. And as I said, most of my, my dear friends, my long sort of lifelong friends are Geos that I met and did that first season at Lindemann with that, you know, came to my wedding and we still... Catch up when I'm in Sydney. And yeah, it's beautiful memories. It's my Facebook feed is full of people that I have dear memories of and know that if I picked up the phone after, I mean, even you and I we hadn't spoken for what, 25 years?
0: Something like in that. A, in <laughs> a way, I
1: feel like there's no way that that period of time has gone by since conversations. Yeah,
0: so. yeah exactly. It's we're yeah. picking up right where we left off. It's amazing now maybe one one last quick story like you 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 worked for many years so you must have encountered a celebrity here or two uh at club med so i was just curious if uh if you what's your most memorable celebrity encounter or
1: uh oh, is it someone um, we
0: we might not know because it was an aussie celebrity or um because you never notice how like certain celebrities come but only that this certain nationality knows who they are and the other people don't so uh, well
1: probably the most notable was a guy called Lou Perlman, who was the manager of the Backstreet Boys. Um, oh,
0: that's right! Wow. Okay.
1: When I was at Cancun, he decided to run a talent camp. Oh, okay. And it was it was a very challenging few days because there was no organisation from their end, but uh, every wealthy parent from America who wanted their kid to be the next Backstreet Boy, Backstreet Boy turned up with their child, and they ran auditions all day long. Um, and then after about two or three days, they turned it over and the next group would arrive. So he was probably the most sort of well-known name of somebody I met.
0: I'm guessing you had um, a lot of st- stage moms there that week, right? I think that's what you're oh, saying. It was, okay. it was crazy. And, okay. and there was
1: too many people booked for the amount of rooms we had. Oh God, we had okay. no rooming list even at 11 o'clock the night before they arrived. I still remember sitting up with the reception team trying to work things out. It was, it was a challenging few days. Uh, we had a few chefs and and famous people at Lindemann, but I, I don't I don't apart from that I probably well, I have a, maybe... I do
0: have another I I might have an easier question for you like it's if if you can let me ask one last one um, sure sure it might be tough okay because I like to find out from people XGOS if there was one season in particular that stood out I use the word magical even though I get teased for it a lot, but it could be, you know, you could, you could like them all for different reasons, but I was just curious if one or two, or did one stand out above them all? Was it your first season because it was your first? And There was a few that stood out. out? Okay. Linderman
1: stood out because it was my first and I, I met a lot of great people. Um, my season in Bali was amazing, but if I, if I had to pick one, I would say Playa Blanca. Um, really?
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah.
1: I think okay. just the fact it was my first time in the American zone, it was an adult's village, which meant, you know, that the whole atmosphere of the village was different. A lot of lot of fun, a lot of connection with guests that you, you didn't always get when you're with sort of families. Um, and, of course, that's where I met my sweetheart. And um, and the memories of that season, just in terms of the team, the shows, the, the the fun elements, the great chief of village. The Yeah, I mean, it was just, like I said, the stars aligned. And I never would have imagined that I went there as a guy who'd just broken up from a long-term relationship and ended up meeting somebody that I was going to spend the rest of my life with. But I think Ply for me would be the, the standout season for that reason.
0: Yeah, well, I, I went there with every intention of, of being single and then, like a dummy, got a girlfriend after week three, I think. So anyway, but um, I always I always did that, you know. <laughs> Go to family villages, I'm completely single. Go to Columbus for two and a half years, completely single. Okay. <laughs> Go to Playa Cancun, girlfriend. Okay, I'm like a magnet. All oh, right. well, that's okay. I'm, I, you know, it's probably
1: better than being single. You know, it's probably it is. safer. It yeah. is.
0: You're absolutely right. Right, well, Gus, then I can't. I can't thank you enough for for sharing your story with us. I'm so happy uh, you said yes. You know, you could have said no; would have been would have been fine by me as well. You know, because you'll, you'll you'll always be like the tops in, in my books. But thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Really.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me, and I hope uh, hope the listeners enjoy the the stories.
0: Uh, I think they will, because you're like I said, your name uh, comes up quite a lot on this show. So. You know, I was hoping to to have you on and uh, maybe trick you with that. But uh, I'm so glad you said yes. But uh, no, your name does, uh, in fact, come up a lot. So uh, uh, so thank you so much, Gus, for, for being here today. Thank you.
1: You're very welcome.
0: All right, everyone. That was Luke, Gus, Neil. And uh, we'll see you all next week, everyone. Say bye, Gus. Take it easy,
1: guys.